This is your moment, your time to shine, your comeback. You're ready for the next step in your career, and you want an education employers respect. So you're not just going back to school. You're coming back with Purdue Global. Backed by Purdue University, one of the nation's most respected public universities, Purdue Global is built for people who bring their life experience into the online classroom. Purdue Global, Purdue's online university for working adults. Start your comeback today at purdueglobal.edu. Step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm going to make him an offer he can't refuse. With family, cannolis, and spins mean everything. Now, you want to get mixed up in the family business. Introducing The Godfather at ChompaCasino.com. Test your luck in the shadowy world of the Godfather slot. Someday, I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play the Godfather, now at ChampaCasino.com. Welcome to the family. VGW Group, no purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. See terms and conditions, 18 plus. You know that feeling when you walk into your home, take a deep breath, and feel new? Well, that's what it's like to use Clorox Sentiva. Because Clorox Sentiva smells like coconut, cleans like Clorox, and feels like energy. It'll elevate any cleaning routine to not just clean, but also make every room smell like a tropical coconut getaway. Discover how Clorox Sentiva's powerful clean and refreshing scents can transform your space. Get yours in coconut or other fabulous scents at a nearby retail store. With every CBD product claiming to do something different, it's nearly impossible to decide what's best for you. Lazarus Naturals pioneered the farm-to-front-door model of transparency where they handle each step of the production process to ensure quality, potency, and consistency. Scannable labels allow you to see the test results of your hemp batch so you can be confident in the safety and quality. Visit LazarusNaturals.com today. Lazarus Naturals, committed to improving your life as well as the world around you. Not available in Idaho, Iowa, or South Dakota. Welcome to this edition of Taking a Walk, Music History on Foot. If you like this podcast, please share it with someone who needs to hear it. Kindly go to takingawalk.com to sign up for the newsletter to keep up on new episodes and to suggest someone as a guest for an upcoming episode. Maybe it's even you. Today we're virtual with a Nashville band that defies categorization. Cadillac 3. Their influences span multiple genres, from country to rock to funk to grunge, all mixed in a delectable soup that everyone can enjoy. Let's go deep into the career path of Cadillac 3 on Taking a Walk. I'd like to introduce the members of Cadillac 3, or in this case, Cadillac 2, to Taking a Walk, uh, drummer Neil Mason and guitarist Kelby Ray. Welcome. Thanks for having us. Thanks, man. So, guys, can you take our listeners back to the beginning moments when you guys met growing up in Nashville? Mm, as the story goes, we met and we all came out of the same womb, just with long hair, and it was it was quite a wonderful day. We've we've been friends since high school. I mean, you know, I've, uh, I first met Neil. I feel like before Jaron, even Jaron uh, and I went to the same high school. Neil was at a rival high school just uh, on the other side of town. But we had a lot of mutual friends and, um, you know, just met through playing music like you do in, in high school. Some of the first bands that you start um, when you're 15, you know, a garage band, you know, literally in the garage or in the basement of your parents' house trying to, you know, 
just trying to make noise. And it's really, we've, we've come a long way from, the, from there and managed to stay really close. And uh, yeah, just, just happy to still be friends and still jamming. Yeah, my, my biggest recollection uh, of meeting Kelby was where I remember seeing him for the first time. I don't know if we met this day or not, but I remember being at this little pizzeria that my band used to play at called Guido's and Kelby was a pretty memorable guy at 14 years old because he had a giant afro and he was wearing a Jimi hendrix t-shirt that i kind of want to say went down to like his knees or something um <laughs> and and that was that was kelby and so you know you don't kind of forget that especially if you spend the next 25 years hanging out with them so um that's my recollection of meeting kelby <laughs> just a bunch of hippies being kids do you guys remember the first time you played music it was uh, probably I, i'm guessing it was probably in my mom's basement um yeah or in somebody somebody else's garage or basement but i being the drummer my my mom was understanding that uh people were probably going to be coming over and jamming a lot and that saved her trips of having to carry my drums to other places so we did a lot of jamming and in my basement and uh garages and assorted other rooms that as we moved around houses but i'm i'm guessing that and kelby any different recollection yeah no i mean it's all fuzzy but uh <laughs> that sounds that sounds about right <laughs> fuzzy and fuzz tones right there you go yeah. <laughs> you know you guys are embedded with this um incredible sense of authenticity in what you what you do with your your craft um where do you get that spirit from? We just all, it's just that common denominator of just loving music. Um, I don't know. It's a deep question, but an easy answer, I guess. I don't know. Yeah. And I think it, I think it stems back to the same answer to the question before, which is, I think it comes from the fact that we all kind of grew up together at the same time in the same place, experiencing a lot of the same things, uh, together you know and so it was like a lot of firsts you know first first time seeing a band play first time playing a certain show first time going to a club first time you know uh doing stuff at a party that you shouldn't be doing all that kind of stuff you know and so i we've been able to experience all of that stuff together and continue to all the way you know now we're 40 years old and we've been doing this for 25 years of hanging out basically you know and i guess if you hang out long enough some good things are bound to happen i mean there's a patience that has to be there right that uh, with a relationship with you know your craft right there's a there's a patience there's a you know there's a genuine love of just of playing music and being able to do that with the same like-minded people that's the only way to keep this kind of thing going long term i feel like you know, cause there's a lot of friends of ours that, that we used to jam with in, in the garages and, uh, back in the day, and they might've had, you know, tried to go on the road, try to do the band thing. And, you know, the right kind the wrong combination of people happened and it, it just doesn't have the longevity. So you know, we just kind of looked out that, you know, we all had the drive and the motivation and the love of doing it and are close enough friends to be able to do something like this for, for so many years, I think was the, is the key there i saw another interview with you guys i'm not sure if it was uh either of you who said this or jaron but you you said not chasing something trying to create something which i thought was really a brilliant way to sort of bring home the authenticity piece 
Yeah. I mean, yeah, I mean, carving your own path, you know, doing your own thing, you know, being true to just uh, who you are, what, what you, the, the influences you have and the, the type of music you'd like to do and just genuinely being yourself. That's the, that's the goal there. That's the, that's the, the key ingredient. Yeah, and also just not, you know, we all have influences. We're all influenced by a number of things, but like Kelby said, trying to be authentic to all of them within ourselves to create something that's it's kind of new and fresh. You know, I think it's not, it's not fun to just see the exact same thing again. You know, you want to, you want to stand out in some way. Um, you know, I, I, one of our other mantras has kind of always just been like, make people kind of love us or hate us. Like, the the middle is boring um and you know so try not to sit in the middle as much as as possible you know and because there's enough there's enough fans out there for for everybody and not everybody has to love you but it's good to find your audience that really 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 loves you and then let the other people go find somebody else to love (laughs) well you know there's this great sector of the uh nashville music community filled with this outlaw spirit which you guys have who are some of the folks in in your posse and uh and and define outlaw spirit from your your standpoint outlaw spirit is just doing things your own way you know i i I don't think you know we don't necessarily do things the exact same way that brothers osborne do or that brent cobb does or that whiskey myers does etc etc but those are all people that would maybe fall into the category of of artists that we feel like we share a a kindred spirit to you know and so um we're all trying to figure it out and we're all going to have slightly different opinions on the next best step to figure it out we're also all in different places in our careers and i think that that's one of the big things that is important for everybody to always kind of remember is is it's like you can't really compare two different artists' paths because they started at different times and places and everybody's experiences are different. But I think to your point of like kindred spirits, you know, and it's, and maybe how we all connect, I think it's, it's just that uh, kind of never ending desire to try and do things your own way. And it's a sense of experimentation too, right? Yeah. I mean, that's part of it is, is experimenting, uh, you know, trying different, you know, like I said, we've, we personally, you know, just kind of you know stand ourselves out from even some of our peers. We have so uh, such a wide range of influences, you know, from, from country to rock, to metal, to jazz, to funk, to, you know, so we, we have a lot of these influences in a lot of our songs. So of course we, you know, why not experiment with all those, you know, that we, that whole entire Tabasco and Sweet Tea album we put out at the end of 2021 is, is all, funky stuff that we kind of grew up on, you know, and there's always that underlying heavy uh, kind of metal and rock influence that, that uh, we grew up on in the nineties and, you know, just trying, trying different stuff and trying to, you know, trying to stand out, but also being kind of a part, like Neil said, you know, being, being friends with those guys, the brothers Osborne and whiskey Myers and, and those guys, there is that, that kindred spirit, that same attitude towards, doing what we're doing and we all embrace each other and you know are all on the same all on the same team really so let's talk about the influences because that's what i love about you guys among other things is how how vast it is so maybe let's touch 
let's touch every pocket if we can. And I'd love to hear within each pocket of influences, some particular bands that mean a, a lot to you. So first of all, let's, let's start among country. Like uh, who you mentioned, obviously brothers Osborne, who are some of the other folks uh, within country uh, that sort of um, influence you? I mean, kind of all over the place. I mean, personally, when I, I mean, if just going back to when I was a kid, uh, my mom was the biggest Hank Williams Jr. fan. We had every cassette from like the early eighties, to the late eighties, you know, when he was just the biggest thing on the planet, uh, that, that still resonates with me. I've still got a, a bunch of 45s with, you know, Alabama and Waylon and all that, all that eighties country stuff. You know, I know speaking for Jaron, he was a huge Garth fan when Garth came out in the nineties and, you know, uh, big fan of, of his, you know, the theatrics and the, and the songwriting and everything. Um, really all the, all that kind of stuff, Neil, you know, it, you want to add in there or any of our you know, current peers. I mean, we've named a few of them already, but I think growing up, yeah, it was for Kelby. It was there. I know for Jaron, it was like his dad played at the Opry. And so he was, he was coming up getting to see, um, you know, all, all kinds of artists come through there. And he was just a kid kind of standing on the side of the stage, getting to see Garth Brooks or, you know, Linda Davis or uh, Reba or whoever, like his dad happened to either be playing with or like standing on the side of the stage, waiting to play with the next one. Um, you know? And so there was a lot of that, which I think really fed into especially the songwriting side, just being in Nashville and kind of studying country music and the storytelling and whatnot. That was, that was a big thing. I think for all of us growing up in Nashville that maybe we didn't even necessarily realize as kids, you know, cause you're just there, but looking kind of back on it now, it's really easy to be like, man, we, you know, both meeting all of us at the time that we did, you know, as teenagers, kind of when we were being influenced by all of the music that was going on around us. And then also being born in, you know, music city and doing music ourselves, you know, it's like, I can't put my finger on exactly whether the fact that we were in music city had anything to do with the fact that we all played music or not, but it sure is convenient that it kind of happened that way. I mean, um, I like you know, and that's on the, that's on the countryside. Yeah. I mean, just to, and to wrap up that, that kind of countryside, I remember being, we went to high school with John Prine's son, Jaron and I did, and he used to throw parties when his parents were out of town. And I remember going over there and I didn't know who John Prime was when I was 17. And I just, there was this room full of guitars and, you know, lyrics on the wall and stuff. And somebody told me, I was like, Oh, okay. John Prine. I didn't know who this was. So, I mean, we did, you know, that was part of just growing up where you just, I, I didn't know any better. It was just right. what, the way I grew up. <laughs> he had one, he had one Grammy sitting on the shelf and I'm pretty sure that somebody drank beer out of it at least a time or two. <laughs> <laughs> and you know, John Prine would have loved that. Oh, hundred percent. Yeah, He would have been all right with it. And that was the thing is that we could always have parties over there. Cause John was always on tour every weekend. So that was another thing that we were kind of learning about it was like, where's your, where are your parents? Oh, he's on the road. Oh, what's the road? No, what does that mean? <laughs> You know, I recorded an episode of uh, Taking a Walk with Amanda Shires, and she told some great stories about uh, playing with John Prine and how special that was, you know? Oh, okay. yeah. yeah, he was he was a legend. So in the rock side, first of all, thanks, guys, for the recommendation on the Tom Petty documentary. I really appreciate that. So I know he's of great influence, and I don't know if you've caught the uh, – the recent live at the Fillmore stuff that just came out, but uh, my God, ain't no sunshine on that one. Holy mackerel. So I know Tom Petty's in there. Uh, how about some other rock uh, folks? 
what's interesting, I think, about the three of us is that we all kind of come at it from a slightly different place. You know, it's like in our and our influences all connect, you know, but it's like each one of us kind of has our artist or two that are, you know, a little bit stronger. And then they've really, you know, it's like with Jaron, um, you know, it was like Rage Against the Machine was a really, really big one for him. And I know like with Kelby, it was like Metallica and things like that, a little more on the metal side, you know, Tom Petty and more of kind of like the classic rock, like the Stones and the, and the Beatles and stuff was kind of what my parents always had in like the six disc changer at the house. Yeah. You know, but you kind of take all, yeah, Zeppelin. I mean, you know, we, I know Hendrix was a big one for Kelby. Like the list can kind of go on and on. And that's part of the reason that we sound like so many different things sometimes, but you know, I think the, the big thing about it is like, there's little bits that I can kind of hear of all of that stuff in our live show and in our writing that, that kind of comes out in different ways. And, and each of us have kind of introduced another artist world to each other. And then they've become close to equal influences as our original influences. You know, there's another band that I thought of that, was always hard to categorize still to this day. And uh, I think of you guys, you know, in, in, in that beautiful way as well. And that's little feet just yeah, had yeah. so many different places. You can't really describe them necessarily, but you know, they're really good, <laughs> you know? Yeah. And another one that we get yeah. to, we got to tour with a couple of years ago before he unfortunately passed away was, uh, was Charlie Daniels. We went out with him in 2019 and to watch his band play. I mean, they were playing jazz and bluegrass and rock and country and all of those things. So we were just sitting there in awe because we, I, you know, that would have been the first time I feel like I could say that I saw him live and I didn't realize his diverse array of influences. So that's, you know, and that's the same kind of thing that, you know, same womb that we're, we kind of came out of too. So that was, definitely more of an influence than I think I even knew once I got to watch him play, you know, and one of the coolest guys we ever met too. And then the funk side, talk about the funk influences. I love that. Well, one big one that uh, we listen to after we get off stage, just to chill out every night is uh, John Schofield and Modesky and Martin Wood put out an album in late nineties, I think called a go, go. And it's just uh, a real chill, really cool, funky album. I think another uh, influence there that was kind of, I mean, I kind of forgot about it on the rock side, but we don't really talk about it very much, but definitely was an influence on us in our college, you know, high school and college years was fish. We went to a bunch of fish shows and the musicality of those guys, they were all over the map too. And, you know, funky and rock and a little bit of all over the place and all the covers that they would do. They were, it was such a array of, you know, all the genres and everything. Um, don't listen to those guys as much as we used to, but <laughs> there was definitely a moment there where it was, where that was an influence. Yeah. I mean, like, I, I know again for Jaron, like tower of power and things like that were a big influence. Um, you know, I think Steely Dan, the, yeah. Steely Dan. Yeah. That's a good one. You know, and I think all of that stuff kind of rubs off in its own little ways. Like Kelby mentioning fish makes me think about like, we don't write set lists and like, that's, totally a thing from the jam band world of like kind of getting up there and feeling out the crowd and, and kind of winging it, you know, and, and you've got your segues and your things that you kind of know how to do, but to kind of keep it interesting for us and also to keep it interesting for the audience, you know, you try and kind of shake it up as much as possible. And so that's just, you know, that can sometimes be another byproduct of just a, an artist or a band kind of like 
influencing you in, in, in another way that's outside of just the music, but it's also like the culture and the spirit and the feel and kind of how they present their show. So other than sharing amongst yourselves things that you hear or, you know, remember from the past, uh, how do you discover either new things or new old things? How, how, how does discovery happen? Whenever I hear Jaron or Neil playing in the front lounge of the bus, <laughs> I don't know. It's kind of it's all over the place these days. I mean, with with streaming and and everything, it's like you, it, there might be a song that pops on, and I hear something, and I have to dig to see who it is because you know if you if you don't, you're you're gonna miss it and be like, oh, what was that song that I heard yesterday on whatever playlist or whatever radio station that popped up? So you gotta you gotta be paying attention. But I mean, there's that's part of it for sure. Yeah, and I think. A big thing for me lately, at least, is just been asking people what they're listening to more proactively. You know, it's like just just as simple as like, hey, is there one song or one band that or one album that you've been wearing out that I may never have heard before? And it's been interesting. Like, I, I was asking that to one of my wife's little uh, nieces the other day. She's like 14. And she, she named this band. She was like, Oh, this, everybody at my school loves this band. I'm over it already. I was into them like six months ago. I went and looked up the band and they were like a nineties rock band that never made it. And I was like, how is this band big in this high school right now? But it was big to her six months ago and now she's over it. Like, and so it's like, I think that's one of the interesting things that's, that's going on right now is that a lot of discovery that's happening is actually old music being rediscovered or discovered for the first time. And I think that's maybe one of the really cool byproducts of the streaming world is that, you know, it, it, unlike when you're at a record store and it's like, well, I have to buy this to find out if I'm going to like it or not. Now all you have to do is just go click on something. And so the opportunity to discover something is just right there at your fingertips all day, every day. Um, you know, we've had that this past couple of years, we've got this song called take me to the bottom. And it wasn't until four years after that song came out that it became our top streaming song, you know, and, and for the last two years, it's just been through the roof, huge streaming song for us. And it wasn't that way when the album came out and it wasn't that way a year after the album came out. And so that's, that's another interesting thing about just discovery right now is that it can kind of happen to any song at any time. And it doesn't necessarily have to be something new. Yeah. And you've got the streaming shows. I mean, Yellowstone, we've had you know some luck on there too. And then you've got stranger things, you know, talking about the throwback thing, you know, you got Kate Bush that uh, just, it blew up the first time in 25 years or whatever with that song came out. And then uh, actually I've got a friend that has a 10 year old uh, little boy and he heard Metallica master of puppets on stranger things. And, you know, there's a whole big scene and he said, Uncle Kelby, Uncle Kelby, I want to play. I want, I want you to teach me how to play. He doesn't even play guitar. He wants me to teach him how to play Master of Puppets, you know? And I'm like, oh, yeah, I knew that 30 years ago. <laughs> but, you know, you got 10 year olds discovering a band like Metallica watching Stranger Things. So it really is all over the map between shows and word of mouth and 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 streaming services. And, and radio to some degree. I still listen to, you know, local radio or sometimes classic rock, whatever in the, in the car, in a terrestrial radio. So it's really all over the place. Nashville is such a special place. There's this incredible vibe there. Every time I'm down there that uh, I'm left with just how great the people are and the, the vibe of the music community and everything. Um, why is Nashville so awesome? <laughs> 
That's a good question. Uh, I think geography has something to do with it. I mean, it's definitely a spot where, actually, I don't know. I was, I was thinking more about like t- from touring standpoint, just geographically, it's easy to get to a lot of places from Nashville. I don't know why it's the hub of coolness and where that came from. Though. Well, I think everything's like sort of cyclical, right? So it's like, you know, LA and New York had already had their, their moments of being cool. I think 10 or 15 years before Nashville kind of, started to get the wave of of artists and bands moving to nashville that weren't country artists you know the more of the rock and whatnot that's happening now uh austin kind of had that you know and and so austin was kind of the the kind of hip darling city there for for a while and i feel like nashville's been having its moment for for a minute um you know and i'm sure at some point it'll kind of max out just like some of these other cities do and it'll move on to somewhere else. I mean, you know, like Seattle had its moment too, you know? And so I, but I think Kelby's right about geography. I mean, look, you, if, if you're an artist and you're looking for a place that is musically driven that where there's studios and there's opportunities in the business and whatnot, and then also that there is a, is a great hub for touring. I mean, I think that's a huge advantage, you know? And I think that that is a big reason that, so many people kind of view Nashville as a great place to be. I mean, if you're, if you're getting in the van from LA and you've got a show in Kansas, I mean, good luck getting there. You know, it's like, you know, you can drive to 50, 60 cities from Nashville within eight hours, you know? And so you could really make an entire career never driving further than that. If you lived in Nashville, if you really wanted to. But is there something also, if you're a musician that Nashville has this great, um, sense of collaboration. So if either one of you, uh, were in need of some input on something, you could reach out to so many different people in the Nashville community for, you know, some advice, uh, isn't that part of it that's special as well? Uh, yeah. I mean, I, th- I think just the, in- this, the fact that Nashville feels like a small town, but that the majority of the town is, is filled with people that are interested in music or the music business is definitely an asset. Um, you know, I think for us as a band, we've actually like kind of done a lot of the opposite of that and that we've always just kind of followed our own lead and done our own thing and not really asked for too much opinion from anybody about what we were up to. But on the flip side of that, from a collaboration standpoint, uh, as songwriters, that's a humongous asset, you know, I think where, where we've been able to collaborate with all these different artists, um, on the songwriting side, uh, you know, Jaron just had, I think his ninth or 10th number one, you know, as a songwriter. And so from that side of things, it's like, it's, it's absolutely an advantage. And just, I think one of the, you know, if you want to have like two tracks in your career, um, which to be honest, if you're going to be in the music business and make a living, you kind of need to have at least two tracks in your career. Probably it's a good place to have that. Are you guys still learning in this part of your journey? Are you learning new things? I don't think when you're artistic, I don't think you stop learning, you know, it's learning how to be a better musician or a songwriter or, uh, what we can do better as a band, you know, um, all of that plays into the same thing. I think we're, I think we're always learning. I think really everybody is, but definitely uh, speaking from an artistic point of view, I don't think you ever, you could ever stop. There's always, there's always something else to try to reach for. 
Well, and things are always changing. So, you know, as soon as, as soon as you think you've got something figured out, you got to figure it out again. Favorite places to uh, play uh, on the road in both the U S and globally. What are some of the favorite places you love playing? I feel like I should have a better answer for that by now. <laughs> I've been asked it enough everywhere. A lot of it's by shows, you know, it's like I, my, my memories are more based on shows than, you know, Oh, I can't wait to go to this city. You know, I, and I get excited about certain cities, you know, it's like, I love going to Chicago. You know, I love the idea of playing a hometown show in Nashville, but actually doing it is usually stressful. You know, I, I always get excited about going overseas. You know, we've been really fortunate to grow a really great fan base in the UK. And so I think that that's, you know, if there was one simple answer, it would probably be the UK. And that's just because it was a concrete goal that we had that it was like, Hey, we want to go and do this. And, and we think that it could really resonate and it actually has. And so I think there's an excitement to that just because every time we go, it keeps kind of getting bigger and bigger. And you know, from a travel and a, and a cultural standpoint, it's, it's different than, you know, how we spend most of our year running around the U S and that's not a knock on the U S it's just, it, it's different, which makes it exciting. And, but it's so great when you find a new audience, right? That's just like, you sort of go, my God, look at how did this suddenly happen? <laughs> right. Yeah, yeah we, for sure. I mean, I could show up. We don't even know where, how did you, how did they find out about us? Where did they come from? <laughs> that was, that's, that was the feeling the first time we went to the uh, first play, first show we played in London. It was like, where did these people even hear about us to show up at the show? So that's always exciting when you go to a new place and anybody's there because you don't really ever expect it. I don't care how big you get. Guys, in closing, can you define why music is so important to us in our life? Ooh. KLB, it's tattooed all over you. Uh, I mean, it's something that everybody needs. I, I feel like it's that simple. I mean, I don't know anybody that doesn't listen to music for some reason or another. Um, if you don't, you're weird. Um, you know, it's a, it's something that it's just ingrained into part of who all of us are. And it makes you feel a certain way, depending on what you're, what you're listening to, how you're feeling that day, you find something that resonates with you. And it's just something that's, that has to be there. It's something that is there and, and something that everybody absorbs. And it's, it's just, uh, part of life, I think. It's like a, it's like a good friend. It's like, uh, if you need a smile, it's there. If, uh, if you're upset, you know, it, it'll kind of hang out with you. It's, uh, you know, it's like my four month old baby was crying in the car the other day. And my two year old daughter was like yelling completely oblivious to the crying. And I was like, Lou, can you sing Teddy May a song just because I wanted her to stop yelling. And, and she, and she started singing, twinkle twinkle little star and like 30 seconds later our baby was just like smiling and and listening to her so it's like i think that when it comes down to it it's just like it's a great uh it's also a great neutralizer (laughs) um but you know it's it's the thing that it allows people to to congregate happy or sad and and you know they can each have their own experience with it but also feel connected in a bigger way which i think is the thing that is maybe hard to put your finger on about music, but also makes it so special. Uh, and you know, uh, from our perspective, the amazing thing that I just kind of like marvel at pretty much every single day is that 
we've been able to take the idea of a band, you know, that we just made up out of thin air. And then every day we make up new songs that are out of thin air. And then we go play shows that are, you know, kind of out of thin air. And somehow 20 years later, you're still doing that. And it's, you know, I, you can still, you know, have a roof over your head and put gas in your car and whatever else. And so it's like, you know, it's, it's been a real kind of blessing to just get to do it. And hopefully we just kind of get to keep doing it. If we don't get in our way and think about it too much, you kind of just get to keep doing it. Well, I'm very grateful for uh, having the opportunity uh, to, uh, to talk to you and have you on the uh, Taking a Walk uh, podcast. You put a smile on my face and your music uh, gives me and your fans great joy. And I want to thank you for that. Thank you, man. Sorry we couldn't walk in person. Maybe we'll do that next time. <laughs> Sounds good. Taking a Walk with Buzz Knight is available on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah. Oh. Sorry, we were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. With every CBD product claiming to do something different, it's nearly impossible to decide what's best for you. Lazarus Naturals pioneered the farm-to-front-door model of transparency where they handle each step of the production process to ensure quality, potency, and consistency. Scannable labels allow you to see the test results of your hemp batch so you can be confident in the safety and quality. Visit LazarusNaturals.com today. Lazarus Naturals, committed to improving your life as well as the world around you. Not available in Idaho, Iowa, or South Dakota. This message comes from Viking, committed to exploring the world in comfort. Journey through the heart of Europe on an elegant Viking longship with thoughtful service, destination-focused dining, and cultural enrichment on board and on shore. And every Viking voyage is all-inclusive, with no children and no casinos. Discover more at Viking.com. Hey, guys. Back at the playground again, huh? Yep. You know what this playground could use? A wine country. Heck, Yeah. And some waves, so we could go surfing. Oh, ah, love that! A redwood forest would be cool. I'm in. Ah, ski slopes. Let's do it. Um, can a girl go shopping? Yeah, baby. Wait, did we just invent California? Discover why California is the ultimate playground at visitcalifornia.com.